today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. So we have this biblical template in the New Testament. It's when the Apostle Paul in his first epistle to Timothy, chapter 4, verse 13, tells him that until he comes, he's to give attention, here's the three-pronged template, to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Reading, explaining, and applying. The exhortation being the applying. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Nehemiah. Sometimes when we read, we catch our minds wandering. We realize we weren't paying attention. This can happen when we read the Bible, too. So in order to fully benefit from our Bible reading, Pastor J.D. encourages us to also get an explanation of the text and apply it in our lives. When we follow the template of read, explain, and apply, the Bible will bless our spiritual lives greatly. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Nehemiah chapter 7 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. This is not about building the wall physically. This is more about building God's people spiritually. And for those of you who were a part of this whole building project, this is what God did in this, His church. I watched, I know what God did in my own life. I I hope you've seen the work that God's done in me through this whole process, but I've also seen what God's done in the life of this church. And I've also seen how God has brought people together through this process of building this church. I've watched it. In fact, even recently, whenever we have a need, I think about when we got these chairs, all 300 of them, and we were going to have the container, and we, I just kind of put it out there and said, hey, we just need people to unload them off of the container, take them out of the you know, packaging, and bring them into the building and set them up. And I don't know how many people showed up, quite a few people. And it was really amazing. And we're thinking, it's going to take the better part of the day. So we did it on a Saturday. I think we got it done in like 28 minutes. I mean, that's just, I, I, I love you guys. <laughs> this is, I mean, that is so amazing. So then we have this dirt, this fill that's donated to us. And so last Saturday, we just put it out there again. Said, hey, we just need some help. We need to level this thing so we can start using that, you know, grassy area out front. And oh my goodness, how many people showed up and it was done. Uh, we ran out of dirt before we ran out of time. And I just watched how, through this whole process, how God has just brought people together. And uh, it's about people. It's not about buildings. So chapter 8, verse 1. Now all the people gathered together as one man. There's the unity In the open square that was in front of the water gate, this is the area where former President Richard Nixon had to resign. And they uh, told that's where the water, that's the gate where the water was. Just want to make sure you're still with me. And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses 
which the Lord had commanded Israel. So the chapter begins with Nehemiah. And this is interesting. I don't know if you noticed it, but he's responding to the people. The people are saying, hey, bring the book of the law. In other words, bring God's word. Now, to their credit, it would seem that they're very aware that a physical wall means nothing, that they need God's protection. They need God's word, and they need that spiritual wall of protection because any physical wall is rendered absolutely useless in protecting God's people. We're going to see in this chapter, uh, and this is what I've been really looking forward to, we're going to see the power of God's Word and the importance of God's Word in the life of God's people, specifically as it brings about revival. We're about to see what I like to call a good old-time revival. There's going to be a revival here amongst God's people, and it's going to come by the Spirit of God through the Word of God. I know I've quoted J. Edwin Orr. He's known for his uh, study of revivals in history, and he defined revival in this way. He said, it's the Spirit of God working through the Word of God in the lives of the people of God. And such is the case here tonight in Nehemiah chapter 8. So, verse 2, the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read, speaking of Ezra, by the way, Ezra was a contemporary of Nehemiah. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday. Okay, stop right there. From morning until midday. Can we do the math? Can you just indulge me here? Because that's a really long service. Just saying. So in morning, I'm, let's, can we call it 9 a.m.? The, the, the first service started at 9? Okay, you know when first service ended? Midday. Can we say 3? That's six hours. Are we okay? Six hours. Did you hear me? Six hours. Six hours. Isn't that about like two or three football games? Just saying. College, not not NFL. <laughs> Why did I go there? Doesn't matter. Let's move on. From morning until midday, before the men and women and those who could understand, and the ears, listen to this, of all the people were attentive for six hours. <laughs> they, they didn't doze off. They didn't doze off. They were attentive to the book of the law. So, verse 4, Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood. This is kind of the setting we're in right now, kind of a stage where he could be seen by the people, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him at his right hand, stood Mattathiah, Shema, Anaiah, Uraijah, Hilkiah, and Maaseiah, and at his left hand, Pedaiah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashum, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. And verse 5, Ezra opened the book 
in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. By the way, that's the why behind what we do on Sunday mornings. That's where it comes from. So you understand, it's not something arbitrary that we do because that's just what we do and that's the way we've always done it. No. It's a standing up in reverence for the reading of the Word of God. And they stand up as he reads and we're told, verse 6, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen. So be it, so be it. While lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Bani, Sharabaya, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, this is why I didn't read all those names in chapter 7. Hadijah, Maaseiah, Kalita, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, Pelaiah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. In other words, they really comprehended it. This wasn't just a formality, liturgy, you know, just, Amen, Amen. No. They understood what God's word, the law of God, was saying. And they have these other men there to help them explain it. Now, this is... Uh, another play, one of those places in God's Word where we have what I call a biblical template. Throughout Scripture, you find these little templates. I don't want to say formulas, more, more like a, a template. This is a three-pronged template, and it's simply this, and keyword simply. It's reading, explaining, then applying. If you like acronyms, which I kind of like, R-E-A. Reading, God's Word, explaining God's Word, and applying God's Word. This is how I learned the Word of God. I sat under the simple teaching of God's Word simply. First it was read, then the text was explained, and then lastly the text was applied. So you read it first, then there needs to be some commentary, some explanation, and then you apply the Word of God to your own life. And this is how I learned the Bible. This is how I learned to teach the Bible, just simple reading it, explaining it, then applying it. But here's what's really sad. <laughs> not only is the Bible not taught in that way today, the Bible is just not taught today. I hope you understand that there's a difference between teaching the Bible, and teaching from the Bible. Maybe I need to explain that. So we teach the Bible, and we teach it expositionally, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. So we're teaching the Bible. But when you don't teach the Bible, a pastor can get up behind a pulpit like this, 
before a church like this, and they can teach from the Bible by quoting a verse. Usually it's a verse they like. They don't, they stay away from, you know, the controversial passages. And when you teach topically, you can get away with that. Now, the Christian can still hear the Word of God. They can still grow, but here's the problem with that. They'll go years having never really learned the Word of God, the whole counsel of God. And so then when, not if, that adversity strikes, life happens. The diagnosis comes. They've been fed these, you know, sweet cotton candy Christian messages. And they're ill-equipped, dare I say, unhealthy, because they've not been taught the word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word that comes out of the mouth of God. I think about even just teaching the Old Testament like we do here on Thursday nights. And I, I can't even imagine what it would be like to not know what the Old Testament is all about. I mean, they might know what's in a book in the Old Testament, but they don't really know what it's about. Like, for example, we're about to uh, come up to, I think it's verse 10, Nehemiah 8, very well-known verse, the joy of the Lord is my strength, right? So you'll have Christians that will quote that, and they'll know that verse. They'll know it's in Nehemiah. They'll know that Nehemiah is in the Old Testament, but they, they, they really understand the context of it and what's behind it and the richness of the meaning of what came about, what transpired amongst God's people that brought them to that point where Nehemiah would say that. And so when you understand the whole story, the whole counsel, it just brings so much more meaning to that passage of Scripture because you know the, the why behind the what. So we have this biblical template in the New Testament. It's when the Apostle Paul in his first epistle to Timothy, chapter 4, verse 13, tells him that until he comes, he's to give attention, here's the three-pronged template, to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Reading, explaining, and applying, the exhortation being the applying. Well, here we come to that one of my favorite uh, verses. And here, here's what was happening. Now, if you can, you need to kind of picture what's happening here. Now, they've just for six hours been ministered to by the Word of God. They have been attentive to the Word of God and were told that they even had understanding of the Word of God. Now, watch what happens as a result of this. This is the impact that God's Word can have on God's people. So here's what happens. In Nehemiah verse 9, who was the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. What? They're weeping? Oh, yeah. Why? They are really convicted. Not condemned. 
They're really convicted having been under the teaching, reading, explaining, applying of God's word. And we're told, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. It penetrated. God's word had impacted them. God had spoke to them through his word, ministered to their hearts, and they're listening to and understanding what God's word says, and they're taking it to heart. It's almost like this. They're saying, oh my goodness, we have, we didn't know this. Can you imagine? Some are hearing this for the first time in their lives. You remember what it was like when you first heard a certain passage of Scripture or first read God's Word for the first time? Sometimes I wish that some passages I was reading for just the first time because it can have such an impact. You know, sometimes we read over it, you know, we were familiar with it, but this is the for many of them, the first time that they're hearing the Word of God, and they are just moved to tears. And they are weeping just with the conviction of God's Word. Then he said to them, go your way. This is interesting. Eat the fat. That sounds good. I'll I'll do that. (laughs) That's the most delicious part, right? You know that? When you eat a steak... The fat is where, can we talk about that? <laughs> okay, I digress. So eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. Here's why. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow. They were sorrowful. They were mourning. They were crying. They were weeping. He's saying, don't do that. Do this instead. Be joyful. You know why? And here it is, and we can all quote it. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now here's where understanding the Word of God is so important. Not just picking and choosing one verse here and there, mishmash, kapakahi. You'll lose it. You lose it. So here's this favorite, well-known, well-quoted verse of Scripture. We, we sing about it. We have it on our wallpaper. We have it on our walls. We love this verse, right? And we've heard this verse or this passage in part at least taught many ways, as I have, I'm sure. And over the years, I've taught it. I've heard it taught. And here's the thing. God is always so faithful to, as he does with his word, he's faithful to his word to just bring it to life in a fresh and powerful way, particularly with this verse. And more so recently, if if you don't mind, I want to share this with you. So I heard this teaching. In fact, it's been about maybe a couple months now ago, that recent. And it just opened up to me in a whole new way. Because I, you know, I'm, I'm quoting it, you know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yeah, okay. The joy of the, of the Lord is your strength. Okay. Well, now, what if I said it to you this way? Joy from, in, 
and of the Lord is what gives you the strength that you need. So the joy is what creates and brings and produces the strength. So when I'm joyful, I'm strong. When I'm sorrowful, I'm not. Sometimes I think we would do well to take Scripture and flip it around to the other side, just by way of a contrast. You know, it's kind of like a a diamond. You know, the jeweler will take that diamond, and in order to bring out its brilliance, they'll contrast it on the black velvet in order to see just its its brilliance, because that way you can see the you know the contrast of it. And sometimes, and and we see that with the proverbs. In fact, Proverbs twelve. 25 is one such proverb. This is what it says. Look at this contrast. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. You see that? Okay, now, now stay with me. So if joy in the Lord is what gives me the strength that I need, then wouldn't it stand to reason that sorrow conversely, would totally sap that strength, drain that that strength? How many of you, when you're heavy, you're weighed down, got a lot on your mind, you've got a lot of concerns, you got issues that you're dealing with, problems that you have to address, matters that are worrisome, does that not weigh you down? How strong do you feel? I know how strong... I feel, I feel about as strong enough. In fact, I don't even have enough strength to (laughs) tear a tissue paper. That's how strong I feel. Because I'm so drained and weighed down by the sorrow, the anxiety, the difficulty. But a good word can cheer you up like that. Right? The joy of the Lord. So here's what, can I um, share with you an example? What are you going to say? No, right? (laughs) Of course I can't. So I'm going to do this. So just recently had a situation, kind of came up, presented itself. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, really? Really? You know? And I just, I was so kind of bummed out. I was kind of down, kind of heavied by it anxious about it and so I went to prayer and then I do what I always love to do and that is just go to the Word of God particularly the Psalms usually that's my go-to learning about the history of Israel brings us new insight into God's faithfulness and ability to use anyone and everyone to accomplish his purposes we have a God who loves us more than we can imagine and who desires to have us join him in spreading that love to every corner of the earth. One way in which we can have a great impact is through prayer. Here at In Spirit and Truth, we pray regularly for our listeners and we ask that you in turn would intercede for us. Please pray that we keep our focus on advancing God's kingdom and that our hearts would always be open to God's leading. Please join us in praying for those who will tune in to In Spirit and Truth, that they would be touched by God and turn their lives over to Him. Thanks for joining us in this way. 
If you enjoyed today's message and want to hear more from Pastor J.D., find us online at inspiritandtruthradio.com and click Listen at the top of the page. Pastor J.D. also has a convenient way for you to stay connected. Yes, I do, Josh. You can download the In Spirit and Truth mobile app on any device and listen anywhere, anytime. Our app includes our studies through the Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse, as well as our Bible prophecy updates. Many are finding the mobile app to be very helpful in this fast-paced world in which we live. To find the link to our app, you can go to inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks, Pastor J.D. That's all we have time for today, but be sure to join us again for more from Nehemiah right here on In Spirit and Truth.